Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. These next two episodes are going to be a two-part series on dealing with abortion-minded women and empowering versus enabling. This is an important subject in Christian ministry, so stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. We're going to talk about... Empowering versus enabling when ministering to abortion-minded women. Mm-hmm. We hope th- this will be a, a two-part, that we won't stretch it out too long, because we think it will be pretty long if we do it in one part. So we're going to try to cut it up into two parts and uh, and really deal with you know the spiritual side to this and then the practical side to it, and we'll touch on those two as we go through the whole thing. But I think the first part will be more dealing with the spiritual, scriptural side of it. Mm-hmm. And then the practical side will be in the second part. And this is, you know, we're going to be speaking a lot from experience, from yeah. the experience that we've had as sidewalk counselors and ministering to abortion-minded women and how we've, you know, fallen into the trap of enabling rather than empowering. And right. we've learned some things yeah and you know through mistakes a lot of times <laughs> that's how you, sometimes doing it right <laughs> sometimes doing it right sometimes not doing it so <laughs> right. so right but the right. lord is very gracious mm-hmm. in the way that he um teaches us and then redeems things where mm-hmm. we make mistakes but within within any ministry now this is particularly focused on pro-life ministry you know uh pregnancy center ministry maybe even maternity home ministries of course mm-hmm. sidewalk counseling ministries but really in any ministry that you're involved in i mean people will tell you within homeless ministries within you know dealing with domestic abuse situations whatever ministry that you're in whatever you know organization nonprofit sort of thing that you're in when you're dealing with people mm-hmm. there's going to be this empowering versus enabling. I mean, Mm -hmm. we all want to empower people to be what God wants them to be, what God has called them to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But we all can fall into the trap of enabling. Mm -hmm. And we'll see that biblically, that there's some Mm -hmm. people in the Bible who have fallen into that trap or who, you know, are the ones that set the trap, I Mm -hmm. guess you could say. In the name of love. In the name of love. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that is, you know, that's what we're called to do. We're called to love. Right. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, by this, you, they will know that you're my disciples for the love that you have for each other. Right. The Bible tells us in First John that God is love. Like the very nature of God mm-hmm. is defined with love. Now, of course, later on in Hebrews, or before that in Hebrews, it says God is a consuming fire, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but he's also love. That's right. like, you know, and so as Christians, we've, the love of God, the Bible says, has been shed abroad in our hearts. So we mm-hmm. want to love people. Mm-hmm. But uh, but oftentimes, or sometimes, mm-hmm. we fall into the trap of is really just kind of this emotional love rather than actually loving people. So let's mm-hmm. dive into this mm-hmm. thing. You've got an article that you wrote, and we yeah. hope to be able to link this article if we get it out on the Sidewalks for Life mm-hmm. site in time to be able to put it with this podcast, at yeah. least one of the parts of this podcast, where you're talking about compassion versus enabling mm-hmm. or empowering versus enabling. Mm-hmm. So jump into that article. You wrote this article. This is from some experience that you've right. had. Right, yeah. And uh, not just one experience. We've we've all experienced this. Yeah. And uh, uh, anyway, so we want to empower you. We want to help you guys 
that's why we're we're going to you know Vicky's already written this article and put it out and that's what we're talking about in the podcast. So you yeah. jump in. With yeah. So get. I thought it would be good to start with a case study. Okay. Um, I'm not going to name any names. I'm not going to give specifics that will um, allow anyone to identify this woman. But this is a an actual person that um, that I have worked with. Yeah. And um, and others have worked with. And so I'll, I'll just give you kind of an an overview of of this woman. She. Um, she came to us and um, chose life yeah. and was in pretty desperate circumstances in every area. And so we gave her really resources that assisted her in every area. Like we, we, we gave her the mentorship program mm-hmm. through Love Life Charlotte. So we gave her a mentor that was going to guide and help and be a friend. Um, we, uh, we gave her a baby shower that gave the first full two years of, of equipment and clothes. Yeah that that baby would need. We helped her pay outstanding bills mm-hmm. through actually another sister ministry. We got her involved in a program that gave parenting help and child care in a wonderful residential program, so she didn't have to worry about anything. Yeah. Um, we, we helped her secure a safe apartment. We helped with gas cards, grocery cards, phone bills, discipleship, and spiritual counseling. And um, she had a good job. Mm-hmm. She had gotten that herself. Okay. Um, although we did help her clean up her resume. Yeah. Um, so really, there isn't a whole lot more you could do for someone. Yeah. We we had truly kind of given her a chance at a brand new start. She she recommitted, or maybe for the first time, committed her life to the Lord. Okay. It seemed to be firm and sincere. Um, and so she was. Uh, you know, kind of our poster child, and yeah. she was on the path to this great new beginning. Right. And then, after a few months, the old patterns began to reemerge, the same terrible choices, um, the same sinful lifestyle yeah. that had kind of put her in this mess in the first place. <clears throat> and her world crumbled again. Uh, she cried, she repented, she came to us and requested additional help, and, and we, we did help. Again, yeah. we, we, I think not only are we called to be loving and to give, but sacrificial giving is, is a, a definitely a, a biblical concept. Yeah. And so, um, so we, <clears throat> we gave again, and again, she, she said all the right things. She uh, initially did all the right behaviors that mm-hmm. indicated that there was change and um and then her actions kind of showed that this was not the case she began to fall back again the same pattern of you know it's kind of the pattern in the bible isn't it yeah. of the israelites and um turning to god and crying out in their despair and then God helps them, yeah, and then they, and they, they turn back to <laughs> they turn right back to the same stuff, and then they yeah. cry out to God in their despair, and that's what we were seeing. Yeah, and um, and it wasn't just our ministry, but another ministry that um had been involved with her that said this is what they had faced as well. Yeah, so that's kind of what what actually sparked the idea of of this article and and this podcast was um. When do you know? It it happens. It happens a lot where yeah. where you've helped someone, you've truly, you thought empowered them on a 
good path, a path towards God and self-independence and, um, and following the Lord and making good choices. And then you find out, well, you didn't. Yeah. You kind of enabled them yeah. into dependency. Well, you know, the, the goal is always, you know, that kind of old adage, it's better to teach someone to fish than to give them a fish, right? Teach right. them to, to go fishing themselves. And that's, you know, that's what we want to do, right? right. We want to, to teach these women how to be you know, good mothers and all these things. We're going to get them plugged into programs that teach them that stuff rather than just giving them some baby stuff and giving them some money or pay their bills or whatever. We want to, you know, all those things, if we do those things, the end desire is always that they could be solid on their feet. So that's always the the desire. Right. But that desire is not always, you know, fulfilled. Yeah. For sure. And, And sometimes, you know, again, we can... We can fall into the trap, and we, you know, that's a hard line to try to figure out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Am I enabling mm-hmm. or am I uh, empowering? You know, just from personal experience, completely unrelated to this, mm-hmm. is I've got some uncles <laughs> that the, don't do so well, mm-hmm. right? They've, they've not done so well their whole lives. And, you know, gotten money off of my parents and gotten money off of their, you know, my grandparents and stuff like that. Two uncles, one on each side that, you know, have been as I look at like they've been empowered you know, they've right. drug addicts and yeah. just you know problems and problems and problems well they've been and enabled they, they've been Is that enabled what you mean? sorry that's, they've yeah, been enabled. Yeah, they've not yeah. been empowered They're right yeah they've yeah. been enabled and it's like you know I've even had oppor- you know, things uh that I've been asked to do to help them where I'm like well, I don't want to enable and I'm just yeah. not going to yeah but it is hard especially you know if it's a family member but yeah. especially also if it's a woman with children you know, she's right. got other children oftentimes. That's right. And baby in her womb. Yeah. And it's like, how, how in the world do I do I balance this without yeah. being an enabler but an empower? You know, a lot of times guilt can drive us. And, and that's yeah. one of the things that we tell our, our sidewalk counselors we're training them is that no matter what you do, it cannot be driven by guilt. It has to be driven by by God, by the yeah. grace of God and by his truth and his word. Right, right. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of, I don't know a lot, but some of the moms we work with are, are active addicts yeah. or, or alcoholics or, or something yeah. that is addictive. And um, and that's, you know, and that that's a whole a whole different layer of, yeah. of discernment between how do you uh, help empower them versus enable them to just continue in, yeah. in a destructive lifestyle. Yeah. So, um, so the first um, uh, thing to really think about is, well, what does the Bible say about um, how we're to treat others? Because the Bible's clear, yeah. and love is supreme i mean it it i don't i don't know if i want to use the word supreme because there are other truth is is certainly up there with love yeah. but but love is certain we are to treat each other with love and yeah. and by our our love the world will know us and yeah. we, they will know that we're the the followers of of jesus so um so i have a few verses okay and and um so the uh the first one is hebrews Thirteen sixteen. Okay. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So we're to do good, yeah. we're to share, and it's sacrificial. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, 1 John 3, 17. But if anyone sees the world's goods and sees has his brother, I'm sorry, has the world's goods, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Yeah. 
So we, we certainly s- don't want to be guilty of closing our no <laughs> our hearts no and uh, and the brother our gets. our love our love God's love abides when we open our heart for yeah, that person yeah, who's absolutely. in need, um, especially if we have the resources mm-hmm. we have the world's goods it says uh, Luke fifteen twenty he arose and came to his father this is the prodigal son yeah and th- this is the son who had wasted his father's fortune. And what does his father do? Does he kick him out and, no. and say, no, you, you scoundrel, get away? Yeah. He, he says he felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And then welcomed him right back into his home and caring for his needs. And, um, he even killed the fatted calf. Killed the fatted <laughs> calf. Yeah. yeah. Um, Proverbs 19.17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. And he will repay him for his deed. Yeah, so. yeah. Another scripture that comes to mind, which I see you have it down there, mm-hmm. and it's it's the scripture that really is the, I guess it's sort of like our mission statement. Almost, our philosophy as, upon as, which our whole ministry yeah, is as, really based. Yeah, as right? Sidewalk Counselors, Cities for Life. Yeah, is the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. Yeah, and we, you know, you guys are listening. You probably know the story, right? A man was going from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho, mm-hmm. and he fell among thieves, which means thieves. <laughs> overtook him, beat him, and left him naked and half dead in the ditch. And, and of course, we know the Good Samaritan, this is what, you know, you know the Samaritan's Purse and all these other you know, ministries, we use that because we understand the Samaritan didn't pass by on the other side. He saw the man's need, and he met the man's need. And so, you know, it's biblical to meet right. people's needs, right? It's it's it's, it's mandated by the Scripture. Yeah, and they're ongoing need, needs, yeah, too, absolutely. The, in that in that parable, because he pays he pays them the innkeeper money and says, this is for future needs, and if there's more, I'll yeah. pay you when I return. So yeah, he, we're talking about ongoing needs, which I think is yeah. is very much the heart of Cities for Life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, of course, that Scripture and that story that Jesus gave, that parable, was spurred on by someone asking, well, who is my neighbor? Because right. Jesus is saying that we're to love God and we're to love our neighbor. So the context of that scripture is loving our neighbor and, our, and the context of really what we're talking about is empowering people and, mm-hmm. and helping people to, to get into a better place mm-hmm. has to do with loving our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Now, as people who believe that unborn children are individuals made in God's image that are people as well, we understand that baby is our neighbor too. But yeah. we also see the mother as right. our neighbor. She's like, you know, we say, mm-hmm. uh, as far as we're concerned, there are two people in the ditch. The ditch yep. is the abortion center, right. and the two people are the mom and the baby. You mm-hmm. want to try to get them both out of that ditch, get their wounds cleaned off, and get them in and in, which is, mm-hmm. you know, what other ministries can meet their needs. Right. And so, you know, the motivation is one of loving our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. But that motivation can be can be twisted sometimes. It and can. And can be manipulated. It really. can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh so there's always that tension. I know I feel it, mm-hmm. and I, I imagine everyone does in in any kind of pro life ministry. That tension between what is loving and what is harming them, and yeah. and allowing them to continue on a destructive path. Because if they're at that abortion center, there's destruction. Yeah, there is absolutely. a destructive, probably series of choices and life that they have made that has led them there. So, you know, well, maybe we could should look at, well, what is love? What okay. is love? And, and one of the most famous passages, of course, about love the is... The love passage. That's yes. right. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. chapter 13. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have that there? I do. Okay. And so, you know, if you've been to a wedding... <laughs> I actually probably... read it. When I, I wasn't even a Christian yet. 
Okay. Yeah, or was I? Maybe I was. I was a new Christian, and they, they, they told me that they wanted me to do a reading. Pick any scripture. I was a brand new Christian, okay. and so I'm reading through the Bible, and I said, here's a great one for a wedding. I had no idea that, that like— Everybody <laughs> uses everybody this in a wedding. Everybody uses <laughs> yeah, this yeah. one. Good idea, Vicki. You did great <laughs> yeah. picking out the scripture. All right, well, it is a powerful scripture. It is. And, you know, I mm-hmm. like to refer to it as the love— Ver, or the love chapter, yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Yeah. Uh, we'll start in verse 4, 1 okay. Corinthians 13, 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely. Mm. Wow, I need help with that sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> does not seek its own. And so that's part of that giving sacrificially. That's part of that, you know, mm-hmm. that motivation to empower other people. Yeah. Is not provoked. Uh, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Uh, and this is love again. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Mm-hmm. And then the first part of verse 8, I'll read, love never fails. Yeah. And so we should be motivated by love mm-hmm. in anything that we do, um, motivated by love f- for God. And, and that's an important point, I think, mm-hmm. that we can't miss here, is that our motivation of love must be, you know, Jesus said it, love God. So these two commands are great. They're the greatest commands, love God and love your neighbor. And I think understanding that the love for God is supposed to come first Mm -hmm. so that we can properly love our neighbor, because you really can't love your neighbor properly Mm -hmm. in a God-honoring way, in a godly way, unless you love God first. Right. Um, But out of that love for God naturally flows. It's almost like Jesus is saying, you know what, if you love God, you're going to love your neighbor, and if you don't love your neighbor, you're proving that you don't love God, so these right. two things are tied right. in together. Right. Um, but in this you know, passage, as it talks about love, and, uh, and love suffers long, love is kind, love, love does not envy, um, love doesn't seek its own, we have to be careful, because you point out, mm-hmm. as, you, you, as we were talking through this podcast, mm-hmm. that love... Uh, in does verse 6, rejoice. does not rejoice in iniquity. Right. Sin. And, it does yeah, not rejoice and does, in it, sin. And rejoices in, in the truth. In truth. And so, you know, that speaks to this whole idea, again, of loving God first. Yeah. That we want truth. We want to seek the truth. The, the motivation is not just a good feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, I may be jumping ahead a little bit of what we want to talk about in the first or in the second part, mm-hmm. but but. You know, a lot of times our love and the the acts of love that we do Mm -hmm. um, are really motivated uh, by self Mm -hmm. and really motivated by making ourselves feel better. And not in what is in the best interest of that object of our love, of that person that we're loving. Yeah, so I think one of the things that I'll encourage Mm -hmm. you guys that are listening, whether you minister in a pregnancy center, sidewalk counseling, or maternity home, or whatever ministry, soup kitchen, whatever ministry, is that we need to check our motives. We yeah. need to check, why are we doing this thing that we're doing? Are, mm-hmm. are we motivated by guilt? Mm-hmm. Are we motivated by making ourselves feel more validated as Christians? You know, mm-hmm. I feel more like a Christian when I do this. You know, right. some, of the, some of the things, you know, just a practical example. And I can tell you, anybody who has ever ministered to homeless people, anybody who runs a homeless ministry, whether it be, you know, a homeless shelter or a soup kitchen or whatever, will tell you one of the worst things you can do for a homeless person mm-hmm. is give them a dollar, five dollars, right. right. change that you have in your car when they're on yeah. the street corner asking for money. 
Yeah. You know, that's that's one of the worst things that you can do for that person. Now, of course, because, you know, we have this warm, fuzzy feeling when we give somebody money, it makes us feel better. And, you know, I've heard people literally say that. Well, I gave them money. It just made me feel good to do that. And listen, it might make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. But you have to ask yourself, is this about me? Mm-hmm. Like, if I really... I'll say this, a lot of Christian ministry in this country especially, I don't know about other countries, but in this country, is motivated by us feeling better, feeling more Christian, feeling right. more validated as Christians, or warm, fuzzy feelings inside, and it's yeah. not really motivated by a love for God and a love for mm-hmm. people. You know, if you truly love your neighbor, that person standing on the street corner asking for money, the best thing you can do, and this is, again, this is what people that own those those ministries that actually reach homeless people on a regular basis put a right. lot of energy and pour their lives into the thing will tell you yep. is that the worst thing you can do is give them money the best thing you do, can do is point them toward a homeless shelter mm-hmm. because if you give them money you're keeping them out on the street you're actually empowering them mm-hmm. to stay out on the street rather mm-hmm. than empowering them to overcome the homelessness because you know and, and i'm off track a little bit in talking about homeless people but not so much if you kind of see the the looking at the concept, yeah, looking of, at the concept of enabling versus is that there are ministries Mm-hmm. that have put a lot of energy into programs and things that have been proven to get people out of right. homelessness, to get people out of, I mean, a lot of times it's drug addiction, mental health issues, right. and stuff like that that keep people homeless. Yeah, uh, These ministries have put a lot of effort. People have, again, given their lives to put effort and energy into programs that will actually get people out of that mm-hmm. stuff rather than allowing them to stay in it. Yeah. But you, if you're giving them money on the street corner, you're empowering them to stay in. You're, you're actually enabling them, which is not helpful. And in the same way, when we're dealing with an abortion-minded woman, we have to be careful that the programs and the things that we come up with and, you know, the money that we give or whatever is actually empowering them rather than enabling them. Right. And it's it's a hard... Right. It's it's a hard balance to strike. But again, the motivation has to be one of love, but it has to be one of true biblical love Mm -hmm. that doesn't just concern itself with how it makes me feel, Mm -hmm. but actually, is it going to honor God and is it going to actually empower that person for to do righteousness yeah. to do and good. In, in this uh, first corinthians description of love is it going to um result in rejoicing in righteousness rather yeah. than in sin mm-hmm. and and i think there's always the danger that these women will remain um they they are often in an immoral um uh, relationship mm-hmm. with with someone and and um, and by us helping sometimes we allow them to remain in that relationship which, yeah. so that's that's rejoicing in an un, unrighteousness yeah, in a sense want, yeah. and um, and so the t- the truth is that God's word is clear about sexual purity and true love will point them in in that direction or it's, yeah. it's not love according yeah, and, to this and verse of course you know as a ministry ourselves we've always said our motivation and everything that we do everything that we do is seasoned with the gospel so whether we yeah. do a baby shower whether mm-hmm. we do you know counseling uh, one-on-one sort mm-hmm. of thing any anything that we do mentoring yeah. anything like that it has to be seasoned with the gospel and that doesn't mean again that we're you know We've talked about this in the past podcast. We're not shoving the gospel down people's throats, right. but we are letting them understand that our goal is that you come to know the Lord. It's not just right. that we meet your practical needs and we mm-hmm. give you some baby stuff and we become friends with you. But And we certainly do. We want to bless them, and there's not mm-hmm. some impure motivation here. But we understand the most pressing need 
is that they know the Lord because right. we aren't always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Cities for Life isn't always going to be there to help them in every situation. Mm-hmm. You know, other ministries aren't always going to be there, but the Lord will. Right. And they need to understand that he's the one that they ought to cling to so that they can can be empowered to be the mothers and the fathers that they're called to be. That's right. The ultimate empowerer yeah, is God. Absolutely. Is God. Yeah, and, and so. of course, we don't say that it's just some trite, cliche statement, you know, right. you need Jesus, you know, because right. people can make it that. No, yeah. we really believe, because we've experienced ourselves, That's right. that the power of the gospel will change your heart. And yeah. if your heart's changed mm-hmm. and your your the focus of your life is changed, mm-hmm. then you'll find empowerment in the things that God has provided for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll find, I mean, we've seen women who've been in very dire situations, Mm -hmm. and they surrender their lives to the Lord, and that situation has changed. Now, we've seen situations like the one we're talking about where things didn't go so well. It seemed that she committed herself to the Lord, but she really didn't. But we've seen God just do some very amazing things, and the immediate circumstances really didn't change. Mm -hmm. The heart changed, and then because the the heart changed of this mom, her circumstances began to change because she began to cling to the Lord rather than clinging to sin, a sinful relationship, Mm -hmm. and things that just sucked the life out of her. And she began to cling to the Lord, the one who puts life into her. And make choices. Then the choices proceed from that heart, and the choices then were more godly, wiser, discerning choices. So... um, so yeah, so uh, and you know we did a podcast with one of those moms who, yeah, who really her life turned around. She made choices for God and for for the life of that baby, and and all of her choices began to line up with that in her mind that I'm going to honor the Lord. So the the Bible does have examples though, which I think are. Um, help us to understand what what does an enabler look like okay and so the first one is i don't know if you want to read it but it's from genesis 27 um verses 5 to 13 and that's the story of rebecca okay yeah, when yeah. when yeah when she's um well just she's give, speaking the, with give Isaac. the you know, kind of general rundown of this you've got the scripture right there i don't know if we need yeah. to read the whole passage but just kind of give a, a an idea of where you're coming from because yeah. you know as we were talking through this podcast beforehand some scriptures did come to mind. This mm-hmm. one did not, and but this one's great. Actually, the way that you you sort of laid it out to me is like, wow, yeah, yeah. Rebecca it's a it's a classic <laughs> example of of enabler, and so so Rebecca um, overhears her husband Isaac talking to one of her two boys, the the younger of the yeah, two yeah. boys, Esau. Now, sort of set the stage for this before you get into this is you're thinking about the story. Those who are listening, you know, before this time period, Jacob was a was was not a, a very good guy anyway. He was a manipulator right. before. Remember he manipulated Esau for the birthright for a bowl of soup and, right. and he took right. advantage of him. So right. to sort of springboard off of that, jump back into this, sorry. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um and so the, he he learned from a master enabler apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he was enabler an enabler himself. But anyway, so so um so Rebecca is talking to Isaac, her husband, and says, um, and and Isaac, she overhears Isaac telling Esau, go, um, go get one of the wonderful animals that you hunt and and bring it back and make a savory, delicious meal, and I'm going to give you your blessing. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca is conniving and thinking, well, but I want again selfish as opposed to a true act of love. I want um, my younger son Jacob yeah. to to get the blessing and so um and so she tells um she tells Jacob this is what I overheard your father say 
Now you go go hunt and get an animal, and and we're gonna we're gonna actually trick your father. In so many words, we're gonna trick your father into giving you the blessing instead. Right, yeah. And so um, so Jacob uh, apparently catches. I don't know. He hunts. He gets an animal, and and uh, Rebecca takes the hide of that animal, the fur of the animal, puts it on Jacob's arm, so he will be hairy like his brother Esau. Isaac, by the way, is nearly blind, or I think is blind at this point, mm-hmm. so he can't see his sons. And um, and Jacob uh, goes to his father's bedside long before Esau has returned, and with Rebecca's prompting, um, tricks his dad, and his dad gives him the blessing that belongs yeah. to Esau. Yeah. And um, so yeah. so seemingly Rebecca, she's trying to help her son. I mean, yeah, this is this is her wants, favored son, right? And you know, there's some things that you know had been prophesied over Jacob. And so she wants to help this thing along. And, of course, you know, Jacob had already gotten the birthright, at least the commitment from Esau with, for the bowl of soup a couple of chapters right, previously. Right, right. But she wanted to solidify this thing. She yeah. wanted to, what she thought would empower him mm-hmm. to get the blessing. But really, she just became an, an enabler of manipulation. And sin. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely. lied. They, yeah. That's breaking a commandment. He, yeah. they, she told him basically lie to your father, mm-hmm. you know that's not honoring your parents, which is one commandment, and it's and it's uh, lying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you read on in Jacob's story, he gets it back <laughs> tenfold does. later on. He does. He does. And, it leads and, and, to it leads to then a a life. He, I think um, ultimately Esau wants to kill him. Yeah. He knows that, and Rebecca sends him away. And I believe that's the last time. She sees her son. Yeah. So the enablement, which she thought was going to help her son, leads to a permanent estrangement. Yeah. Loss of her son, in a sense. She never sees him again. And then there's just the friction between Esau and Jacob and his fears for his whole life until, you know, in the end, I think that that is resolved and actually— taken care of miraculous through the through God's mercy but um so the sins of the parents then are transmitted on to the children and we see that in in um in Jacob's uh continual yeah, yeah. Um, so this you know maybe I think the the struggle that we have as ministers of the gospel and those who want to reach these these women and, and these families is more subtle than this you know this is sort of blatant <laughs> enabling sinful behavior and the things again that we deal with are more subtle, but sometimes it takes extreme examples to help us to to identify the subtleties in our lives. So just you know, meditate on this, guys. You know, one scripture that came to mind for me is you'd mentioned this subject, and you've got it written down right there. But it's mm-hmm. from John chapter six. Yeah, and this is Jesus being so wise and so awesome. I just love Jesus. I would not call Jesus an enabler at all, at all. But but this does make the point about about enablement versus versus what is a a true act of love. And yeah, Jesus absolutely. makes that point really well. Yeah, he makes that point very well, and, and he actually confronts the those who want to be enabled by him. Mm-hmm. This is in John chapter six. I'll set the stage for this. I won't read the scriptures entirely, but John chapter six, Jesus. There's 5,000 people or so. I think it's 5,000. I think this is the 5,000. 5, men yeah. that are following. And, you know, he he ultimately feeds the 5,000. He asks his disciples, you know, do you have any bread? you got enough bread to feed these? And Anyway, so he knows the miracle he's going to perform. He multiply, multiplies bread and fish, and uh, the people are fed. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus ultimately uh, 
he's, it says actually that they, he knew that they would seek to make him king, mm-hmm. and so he <laughs> slipped away onto the mountain, and uh, and he didn't want to be made king by them. Jesus is king. He's the mm-hmm. king of kings, and ultimately he's the king of all of the world. Anyway, um, but they follow him. Uh, ultimately, he he goes across the the sea, and uh, and they follow him, and he tells them this. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. And he says, do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because the Father has set his seal on him. And so they want, you know, they're, they're, this is Jesus, I guess, temptation to enable people that, oh, they're coming after me. It's nothing for him to multiply some more bread and fish and feed them. Right. And so here's this dynamic that, that we need to keep in our minds is that when we give someone something practical, because he's saying, you got this bread, and he gave it to them freely, gave them the bread and the fish. Mm-hmm. But the motivation was that they would labor not for that bread, but for the bread that's, that leads to eternal life, for the truth of God's word. And that's, you know, that's his motivation. He cuts off their, their, uh, their willingness to sort of suck him dry, be like parasites, and to just seek him for the bread. Hey, hey Jesus, we can stick you in our pocket, and we can have you any time we want. Mm-hmm. We can pull you out, and you'll, you'll perform a miracle. You give us some bread and some fish. Right. The miracle that he performed in the, in the multiplication of bread and fish was designed to show them who he was. That he right. is the Messiah, the one who's come to give them true bread, yeah. and uh, and not just to feed their bellies. Yeah. And so he cuts that thing off real quick, yeah. <laughs> and tells yeah. them this: you need to labor for that bread that comes down from heaven, the truth. Yeah. So there's some really good principles in that uh, in that passage. And um, I think it was when he fed the 4,000. I'm not sure if it's in this when he feeds the 5,000, but the verse actually says he had compassion yeah. on them. Um, and and so the first you know thing is I think anyone in a pro-life ministry is motivated by compassion. Yeah. And that's a good motivation, compassion for others. Um, and and to show them God, yeah. um, but to show them compassion, and and that's not there's nothing wrong with that. And right, Jesus yeah. is showing that He does it. He has compassion on them. He feeds them, but He knows when to stop. Unlike us, right? Yeah. He knows the point at which okay, it will quickly shift from an act of compassion and meeting needs that they could not meet. And that was another principle that we'll talk about more in our second half. But this, they could not meet the need of feeding themselves. They were in a remote place. Yeah. There was no food. There was 5,000 of them. So they could not meet the need. And um, and Jesus met the need that they could not meet in compassion, but then knew, now I'm going to take this act of compassion and point you to the act of all, the the goal of all compassion, which is to show you me. Yeah, me, absolutely. who I really am. Yeah. And yeah. who I can be to you. So, um, so he, he, he then through in, in that, um, in that scripture, I think that kind of is a, a perfect place to just kind of pause and say that that's a good overview. Yeah. Uh, scripturally of we, I think we're all in agreement. We are called to give and we're called to give sacrificially. But Jesus now is beginning to tell us in that passage, yes, you are. But there's a point at which you need to discern when you're crossing the line and the act of compassion is no longer drawing people to me, but to you. Yeah, and that, that is uh, one of the most important points 
in this podcast, mm-hmm. in, in this two-part podcast, is mm-hmm. that we're to draw people to the Lord, not to us. You know, a lot of times, right. you know, in, in Christian ministry, you know, we have to raise money and all that other stuff. Yeah. And so we, we want these good, awesome stories about how yeah. wonderful we are because we've helped this person and helped that person. And we need to share those stories, no doubt right. about it. Right. But if the focus is on us and drawing mm-hmm. people to us, we make them, you know, beholden to us as far as, or, or at least, you know, we're one of their enablers. We're mm-hmm. we're the thing that they come to whenever they're right. in need. Then right. we're missing the point here. Right. They, they need to learn to come to the Lord. They need to learn. You know, one of the things yeah. that we try to do is plug people into churches, mm-hmm. so that out of the church will flow the help and the resources, not out of some you know nonprofit, some parachurch ministry, but out of the church. Right. But even within the church, people and pastors are, are good at this discerning what's empowering versus enabling. So you know, I think with that. You know, we'll end this first part of it. Mm-hmm. We appreciate those who've listened to this first part. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for the second part because I think this will be important. And this the next part will be not just um, scriptural. We'll have some scripture, of course, there. But it'll be some practical points. Yeah, kind of the how-to. Yeah, how-to. the how-to. How-to yeah. empower rather than enable. Right. So, so stay tuned. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude I know it will cost me my life But nothing's too precious since I met you